third place is the new first place. We ran into a really hot team, pretty much. I mean, they're hitting on all cylinders. They're playing great baseball. Welcome to the Braves Report, the new podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. From Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia, I'm Jay Black with our entire gang here that we have uh, dispatched to the NLDS, our AJC Braves beat reporter Justin Toscano, our columnist Michael Cunningham, and our features reporter Gabriel Burns and uh, Doug Robertson's sitting in the back off microphone. And uh, uh, Y'all just want to do a college football show instead? <laughs> these, these two are watching the games. I had to finish uh, the obituary and a couple other things, but we saw a lot here, guys. This was this was a doozy of a couple of the games. We congratulate uh, the, the Tennessee fans. Um, so the only people in Braves country that are, that are probably ecstatic uh, at this point. But <laughs> exactly. Yeah, in Florida, 20, 28 first half points against LSU. Come all right, on. all right, That's... all right. There we go. So, so there are some happy people in Braves country, but uh, this was just a whooping. This was on one hand, you had a team that had palpable momentum to it, and on the other. Um, the Braves will look back at this series, guys, whether it be the starting pitching, the hitting, the hitting with runners in scoring position, the stars not showing up, and there will be a lot to regret. That was a long list, a uh, game of things that did not go right. Yeah, look, they were outplayed, and a lot of the players owned up to it. Dansby, Acuna, these guys owned up to it. They were pretty much outplayed in every single way in this series, and that's kind of the beauty of this sport. We brought it up on yesterday's show when, when they were facing elimination is – the Braves were better than the Phillies all year, from basically from start to finish, right? By 14 games. Yeah, they finished 14 wins more. I know that their run differential and head-to-head was close, but we all agreed going into this series that the you know the Braves have a good matchup here, and even though the Phillies have some elements that could make them a dangerous team in the postseason, the Braves should be heavy favorites. And once again, as we learn every October, this stuff is just completely unpredictable. If this is your first time listening to the show, we welcome you aboard wherever you've been all season. Uh, but make sure you follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Braves Report is brought to you by Kroger, and Kroger's got scary good savings for Halloween season. Save up to 20% on Halloween decor, lights, and of course, all your Halloween candy. Visit your local Kroger store. Go to Kroger.com slash Halloween. All right, so what in the world happened? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple. They outplayed us, outhit us, outpitched us. Just they were better this series. Danzy Swanson getting right to the point. A little more explanation from Travis Darno. They they just were all ready to hit, didn't miss any of their pitches, did damage, you know, played small ball when they needed to, um, moved runners over when they needed to, got the big hits when they needed to when, with runners on. Um, they, they had a tremendous series, and, and they're hot, and, um, and, they, and they beat us. Michael, big picture here. Braves fans have, have been through this before. They've been through some painful postseasons before. Since 2000, three Braves teams have won over 100 games. None of them got out of the NLDS. Is this, uh, is this one of those October disappointments? Is it a choke? Is it a collapse? Is it all of the above? I don't see it as a choke, but, you know, I'm a, I'm a numbers guy, so I, I hate 
the small sample of the playoffs, as we saw, like some of the Braves stars didn't hit. And it, but you know, you only get so many chances in the postseason. So to me, I, I very strongly value the division title. I think that's a great accomplishment, especially the way they did it coming back. But I know Braves fans don't feel that way because they have a long history of winning division titles and then flaming out in the playoffs. So I feel their pain. I know a lot of people don't see it. Even not even non-Braves fans, like sports fans in general, they put so much on the postseason. But for me, to do it over the long haul is very impressive. And it's, you know, disappointing to lose here. But to me, still a good season that just ended badly. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's a good season that ended badly. I mean, you can... You can look at the division title, um, and that's pretty representative of how good this team was. 101 wins, caught the Mets, passed the Mets, swept the Mets. They overcame the largest division deficit to win a title in franchise history. Of all the good teams in franchise history, that's a big, big accomplishment. But at the end of the day, on the other side of the coin, uh, you have those fans who it's championship or bust if you've got a loaded team that is being portrayed as a juggernaut uh, and they didn't get it done and I think they would say the same thing you can at some point they'll be able to reflect on all the achievements but right now it is not that time Gabe is this a, is there an achievement here or is this a failure <laughs> big picture I guess I guess it's a failure because that's the, the world series is the expectation you just want it you want to repeat I think this is the only pro sport where a division title mat like truly matters right yep um, the NFL is a whole different animal, and in the NBA, no one really cares about divisions <laughs> no, I mean, at all. Games. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. I mean that doesn't. But there, I really think that it's meaningful to win your division in this sport. Uh, the regular season is a marathon, and to come back and to win 101 games for the first time since 2003, right? 100 wins. You, it's a good. You you come back. You, you're two. You're ten and a half back. You rally. It's a nice story. It's a season that I think people will remember, but big picture. I mean, yeah, they this, they wanted to win it again, and they didn't, so by that logic, it is a failure. I thought it was interesting that immediately off the top, uh, a lot of what Brian Snicker said centered on kind of the randomness in October, guys. I mean, he talked about all you have to do is get in, and from there, you just don't know. And he kind of said, he kind of took the Michael Cunningham route there as he goes, the goal is to win a division title, nothing else, because you want to get in, give yourselves a shot. But the way he spoke about it to me was a pretty good indication of how baseball people view this. Like, it is so random. That's why they don't take these things for granted. It's not just quote fodder for us. They literally do not take these things for granted because winning over 162 games is sometimes tougher than being that team that just gets hot and catches fire. And a World Series is a tremendous accomplishment, of course. It is the standard, but... This thing's random, and he just said this year it didn't happen. Things got to break right. didn't happen. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, he's a baseball lifer. <laughs> he knows, man, it's it's hard to win 162 games. It's so, so hard. Um, and it shows quality when you can do it and come out on top of your division. And this was a good division this year, as we see. I mean, the Phillies, you know, were finished way back, and they're going to the NLCS because they are they are a good team. For months, I mean, we've talked about <laughs> you, you and I, Jay. I'm glad we have the whole gang, but we've talked about the Braves and the Mets. And we talked about this whole rivalry and the renewed rivalry, the division race, yada, 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 yada. Michael, you wrote about it tons of times in columns. And here we are at Citizens Bank Park, and the Phillies are moving on. Gabe, remind you of any team we've seen in recent history? <laughs> so that was the premise of basically what I wrote post game was – 
the Braves this year were what the Brewers, Dodgers, and Astros were last year to them. Um, they were kind of the stepping stone in the storybook kind of run that a team is on. And you have to get, uh, and I appreciate they gave the Phillies a lot of credit for this because the Phillies played out of their minds. The, like, you know, Justin was kind of making jokes about the defensive plays that they were making. I mean, this team just seemed to find its peak form at the right time. And once again, that's, that's really what it's all about because you guys just mentioned it, but we spent months talking about this crazy NL East race and they were a total afterthought. So to see them here now, four wins from the World Series is pretty wild. They had a similar record to the Braves last year. The difference is the Braves were the NL East champions. Division titles in baseball matter. But will they, Michael, in this new playoff format? Because we could very well, as we record this, have for the first time in baseball history a league championship series without a division winner in it. And the Phillies are now the second, third-place team to play for the National League pennant. Well, you know what I'm going to say as a numbers guy. <laughs> I hated the one-game wild card with a passion. <laughs> I bet you did. Oh, my God. Like, it's so, so, so much luck involved. I, I hated it. I hate it. I still hate the three-game wild card. I hate the five-game division yeah. series. Um, to me, it should be at least seven. That's still not the greatest for me as a number guy, but at least in the seven-game series, you know, probably most of the time the best team wins, probably, you know. But – um yeah, it's uh, division titles, probably a little bit more devalued now. Um, but that's the way it goes. And like I said, I know I'm in the minority on this. I know that the fans, they like that kind of thing. So I'll be quiet about it. Snid did not uh, did not want to take the bait when asked about the format? Uh, well, I mean, you know, the division series has been five games for a long time, as far as I know. So, um, you know what? It, it, it Yeah, I, I think this the system's fine. But as far as the five days off, here's Austin Riley. It's 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 tough, you know. It's you know with this being the first year, you know, I, I'd say I, I definitely like the you know not having as many days off, just because you know this game's you know about you know repetitions, you know getting in your groove, your routines and stuff. And when you're off five days and and then um, you know you got to face you know ace, aces, it's tough. But you know you can make excuses all you want. At the end of the day. Um, you know, for me personally, I, I didn't show up. Excuse or fair point that the Braves had a lot of time off and they were facing a hot team? Fair point. I mean, I think we saw it during the COVID season when teams would have outbreaks or teams they were playing would have outbreaks and suddenly they'd be sidelined for a weekend or four days or something like that. It's tough to get back going. It's tough to stay hot. Live at bats uh, are not the same thing at Truist Park are not the same thing as facing Aaron Nolan, Zach Wheeler. On the other hand, it's tough to quantify. It's really, really difficult to quantify. Maybe we can look at the Dodgers also struggling as we speak. Um, and then, you know, the Astros are really the only team that have taken control that won a division. But for the Braves, I think you can't – it's tough to quantify. What you can quantify is Dansby Swanson, Austin Riley, and a lot of others did not show up as they would have hoped. The starting pitching was not very good, um, and they just didn't – make enough plays in this series the Phillies did a lot right but I do think it's a fair point because we're seeing like baseball players <laughs> don't like a lot of days off and it's even worse for a team that thought that you know all year this team had said that it played its best baseball and acknowledged that it played its best baseball when it had those long stretches without a days off yeah I think it's a fair point by Riley but for the hitters especially but the flip side of that is for the pitchers if you if you're off on that first round you get to line up your pitchers however you want yep you know what I mean? The Phillies yep. didn't get to do that. 
And that's really when the series turned, right, when they get a good start from Suarez and the, he was better than Freed. And that's kind of how it started off, and that kind of set the tone for the series that, you know, if if the Phillies can win one in Atlanta with their mid-rotation guy, then, you know, they were set up pretty good to come back here to Philly and have their, you know, you know one of their big dogs go in, in, <clears throat> excuse me, in game three. And then today, you know, they got enough from the um, kind of a bull, bullpen game today. So, to me, there, there's a flip side of for the hitters, yes, being off probably sucks. But for the team as a whole, I think it's, it's more of an uh, advantage to be able to line up your pitches however you want. And, Gabe, that's what was one of the, the disappointments that Braves fans will have in the Braves themselves is this team had a terrific rotation all season long and did not get to show that off with Spencer being hurt and Charlie Morton getting a comeback or to hit his elbow and Max Fried having the flu. But that, it, that is where the series turned was Max getting rocked in game one. Yeah, and, you know, we're talking about playing or not playing. The Phillies, they caught fire playing. Yep. You win those two. Again, I've brought it up on this podcast, I think, every time I've been on here since. But you win those two games in St. Louis, it's easy to start feeling yourself. You know, you retire those guys. You come here and you see the way they take game one, which that that in itself gives you confidence that you can win this series. When you, you, know, you split in Atlanta when a lot of people thought it would be 2-0. So that's obviously a big deal. No, this was not the Braves at peak form. Uh, when you have Strider with the oblique, you have Freed coming off the flu. But th- that's how this stuff works. You look at last October, the Astros, their pitching was in shambles in the World Series. Scherzer had the dead arm. The Dodgers weren't. The, I mean, this is just, it's October baseball. Like, this is just how this stuff unfolds. Before I make my point, are we a Mojo podcast? I mean, do we believe in Mojo? On the, this? the Phillies, the Phillies have the Mojo. I, so we, we may have underestimated so, Tennessee's Mojo, but the yeah, Phillies we, have we the did. Mojo. <laughs> so what Gabe's talking about there, I thought it was incredible. Like the points the last two made, that the Phillies start Ranger Suarez in Game One. They don't even get a good start from him. It wasn't even a great start. Walk it the wasn't a long start. Yeah, and then the bullpen walked the tightrope the entire game. It is a very winnable game for the Braves and they still lost it. And then the next night Zach Wheeler goes out and loses on a ball that, you know, on a play that should have been made and then an infield single. Mm -hmm. um, And then he had a walk and a hit by pitch. And I think for the Phillies, that probably gave them a lot of confidence in this series that they got through it in it with a split in Atlanta, probably feeling like they didn't play their best ball. They hadn't hit any home runs. They hadn't really hit for power yet. And they knew they had their guys going. Yeah, and the bottom line is the Phillies didn't need to be better than the Braves for seven months. They needed to be better than the Braves this week, and they were. I do believe in Mojo. It's a little bit might be a little bit surprising for uh, a numbers guy. I hate yes. that you can't quantify it. I hate anything that you can't <laughs> quantify. I can't get my mind around it. But I admit that sometimes there is kind of a um, things you can't explain. Kind of uh, chemistry. You know, teams get hot. You just can't explain it. You can't quantify it. But it is there. The Braves had it last year. I mean, when you see it with your eyes, you got to believe it, right? Even if even if I can't quantify it. So the Phillies did seem to have that, and like you said, they didn't play their best in game two. Um, Hoskins butchers the ground ball. If he doesn't, you know, that that game might go to you know extra innings, or the Phillies might you know go go on to win. But yeah, they came back here thinking they knew that their fans were going to be fired up coming back here. They haven't had a playoff game in eleven years, and this was a great atmosphere here. You know, credit to the Phillies fans. They made it. A tough environment so uh 
they dominated the Braves here. They they outplayed them and uh, they deserved the advance. One thing you can certainly quali- quantify is forty five thousand people and the amount of noise that they made, which was ear splitting at times. And and Gabe and I had had discussed and and Justin as well to discuss sort of our predictions for today. I thought Braves eight to six, <laughs> but I said don't get behind because this place is going to get loud. And as soon as the Braves got down, they could not stop the machine. Yeah, and they couldn't really. I think to me it it turned. There were a couple points when it turned one. They needed to have a hot start. They didn't against Noah Syndergaard, a guy who isn't what he was when he played for the Mets pre-Tommy John. And then I think you saw kind of the strategy, right? In the middle innings, the Braves threw A.J. Minter and then, you know, Colin McHugh, A.J. Minter, and Rysel Iglesias and tried to hold the Phillies and the Phillies, you know, in middle relief for kind of weak. And the Braves couldn't really dent them. And eventually this one got away from the Braves. And I just think, yeah, this atmosphere was pretty crazy. I don't think I've ever felt a ballpark shake like it did on that Reese Hoskins home run of the bat spike, which will be infamous here uh, for years to come. But I really, really think the momentum was a big issue. And I asked uh, Kyle Wright, you know, if he thought, you know, you could feel the momentum from another team and and kind of that mojo. And he goes, yeah, like, I I think so. And I asked Michael Harris before they even got to Philly if – it was going to be big to take the crowd out of it. And he goes, yeah, you might not think it is, but it is. Like, you've got to start fast, and you've got to take the crowd out of it and deny the home team momentum. And the Braves did none of that. These games probably went as bad as they could have gone. It's just, yeah, the atmosphere here, Reese slamming the bat the way he did. Harper in the post game, they're talking about how he's saying, we ain't losing. Just the whole mindset of them. Michael's right, too, like, no, there's nothing – there's no way of explaining it. It's just – it's mojo. Yeah. And it's what the Phillies had, and it's it's why they're moving on. And it's really remarkable because we spend months – I come on here or you're just talking with your friends about baseball. We spend months talking the same points about these teams. You know, the Phillies bullpen, you know, the Phillies defense. We spend this whole time talking about this stuff, and then we're here, and it's like none of that – None of that really mattered. Phillies bullpen was great. Yeah, things are just totally different from the way they appeared for months. Yeah, if you if you did it by war or on paper, I mean the Dodgers would have a lot more World Series championships. They have right? zero World Series championships since twenty twenty never happened. <laughs> that's what I. That's literally what I was going to say is that when Gabe and I were talking uh, during the Mets series when the Braves swept the Mets, I asked Gabe, I go, you know, like this Braves team is really, really, really good, but how often does the best team win the World Series. And I told a player tonight, like in the clubhouse, I, I just he, we were marveling at just kind of the wildness of October, and it was another one of those. You look at how good the Dodgers have been for about a decade, and mm-hmm. how many World Series have they won? Yeah. yeah. And the Braves in the 90s. I mean, yep. yeah. we, we can – this is just – this is baseball. It's just the way it works. And this is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, brought to you by Kroger. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back. And the, and the reason that uh, we can be the only podcast, and really the only people left here in the stadium, but the only podcast <laughs> um, from Atlanta <laughs> here in Philadelphia is because of subscribers to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We've got five people here. We've got our photographer, Yosef, is also here. So we've got, we got all the bases covered. We really do appreciate your support, not only uh, through your subscriptions to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, but this podcast. But if you do want to join our community and start loading up on all of our college football coverage and our off-season Braves coverage, go to subscribe.ajc.com slash season pass. That is subscribe.ajc.com slash season pass. Get a special deal for just one twenty-five a week and also a special gift uh, from the AJC to commemorate uh, last year's world championship. That is subscribe.ajc.com slash season pass. So you always know what's really going on. How do we explain why the Braves, the second best offense in baseball, according to OPS, could not hit? I'd, I mean, God, I'd, if I had the answer, I would <laughs> sell it to them and make a lot of money. Uh, but no, I just think it's a combination of things. One, I, I don't think the layoff helped. Two, I think you had guys who did not peak at the right time this year. And then three, you've got a hot Phillies team, and let's face it, they pitch pretty well. You look at a lot of those key spots, and the Phillies pitchers, who we have been accustomed to not seeing make pitches, they made pitches. Um, And in the end, I think, Jay, something you mentioned looms pretty large to me. It's hard to play these games uh, offensively and, and in the batter's box when you fall behind by three or four runs pretty early, or there's always that threat. Um, and I think eventually you saw the Braves kind of start to press a little bit. Especially um, on the road. Exactly. Yeah, it's really, really hard to, to come back when that momentum is not on your side and you fall behind early. Um, I think it's a combination of things, but uh, Gabe, if you've got the answer, I'll sell it with you. It was some really good pitching. You know, you do have to give a lot of credit to the Phillies guys. Um, the Braves scored – what was it, um, 13 runs in the series? Right? Seven, seven over the final three games. Yep. Yeah, and that's just they led. They didn't have a lead in three of the four games. Uh, they were outplayed, and they just didn't have it. So, But, again, this is – remember how hot the Astros were in the ALCS against the Red Sox last year? And then they ran into the Braves pitching, and they couldn't hit. Yep. So, once again, sometimes this stuff is just really hard to explain. Braves only hit 180, and, and Austin Riley was asked – was there something wrong with the approach or the formula? I, th- I think it's just one of those ruts. I mean, we, we um, you know, playing our game, we won 101 games this year. So, I mean, it's tough to tough to be, you know, nitpicky on, on how, you know, we, we go about our business. Um, I just, I mean, like I said, just they, they got time of the hits, got key hits, and, and, and pitched really well, and, and, and we didn't. Is it, a, is it a flaw that the Braves rely too much on the homer? They, they 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 could use some more on-base guys. Um, and when you have, like I said, a small sample like this and when you depend so much on the homer, I mean, they hit, what, five homers and four were solo. There's nobody on base. So if you don't have on-base guys in front of the power, then it's not going to work. And it just so happened over these games, that's how it went for the Braves. It didn't happen like that all year. They had some stretches, 
where they were yeah. hitting homers without guys on base. Yeah. But that kind of evens out over the year when you have so much power. But when you only get – turns out four games, it didn't happen for them. Didn't they have that stretch back in April? You remember that? Uh Part of it was the West Coast trip where we looked at them and it was like 16 of the last 18 homers were solo shots. Yeah. Do you remember that? Early in the yeah. season. And they thought that would turn. Eventually it did. But to Michael's point, I mean, that's why I thought a guy like Robbie Grossman was so big for this lineup was because you put a guy who can give a professional a bat, work at bats in there. Um, they just don't – the way this team is constructed, they do not have a ton of those guys. I mean, they're power hitters um, and – like that's a good thing, and like Austin Riley said, tough to nitpick, but this was the worst case scenario, right? When we all looked at this yeah. series before it was played, uh, you wondered if the Braves could be station to station enough. Everybody said, "Well, you've got to hit homers in October to win." October is more about finding ways to win, and a lot of times you've got to manufacture runs. Guys, the Phillies, who were one of the best lineups in baseball, one of the hottest lineups in baseball. We're sacrificed. We're bunting guys over in some of these games to try yeah. to get that extra run, to try to get that three-run lead versus a two-run lead. They played the small ball. They did all these little things very well, and the Braves couldn't outslug them. Yeah, Morton was very complimentary of the Phillies after the, after the game today. He said they just do whatever it takes to get on base, and he said they just grind at you, and that kind of you know that wears your pitching down after a while. Like you know you. Throw good pitches and add back good to pitches. They're fouling them off. They're feeling that's what happened with uh, Stott before he hit his uh, homer the other night, right? He's foul, he fouled up, I think, five five pitches, and the crowd starts kind of nine pitch at bat. Is that, is that is that one of the at bats of the series? Like one of the three best at bats of the series? Yeah, it might be just, the best one. Yeah, and I think he was in a nine hole that game. So you've got your your nine hole hitter who's fouling off five at five pitches and crowds building up the momentum, and then you know it's that's. That's what they do. They, they grind on you, they grind on you, and the Braves just didn't have that this series. Michael mentioned Charlie Morton, and that was a humongous part of the early part of this game. You have one of the best elimination game pitchers in baseball history. Everybody knows about postseason Chuck, and for the second straight season, he gets hit with a comebacker and has to be pulled in an important game. Last year it was the broken leg. This year it's a shot to the pitching elbow, and here's manager Brian Snicker on why he came with a hook. Yeah, well, they did x-ray him. I mean, there wasn't anything in the joint and all, but you know what? It was, it was, <clears throat> I told him, he's, I want to try it. And, you know, and I'm thinking if it doesn't go well, then, you know, I think we're in a deeper hole. And I just, you know what? I watched the, the warm-up pitches and, and didn't like what I just told him. I said, man, my eye test wasn't real good right there. And, um, you know, I just, he'd have kept going. I, I just, um, just thought, you know, we were at a point where we don't need to try it. We, you know, so... Um, yeah, because I mean, he wanted to he wanted to continue to pitch, but I just watched the warm ups and, and uh, I wasn't convinced. Gabe, it's hard to say that it would have mattered one way or the other, but it was a major letdown. Yeah, Charlie didn't look great at first. Uh, he managed to dig it. He got out of that first inning. That gave you some hope. Maybe there's something here. You know, big game, Charlie. Right? Everyone's feeling optimistic there. But no, I mean, it's gosh, what an awful ending for him again. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's brutal. We know he's going to be coming back. Braves re-signed him for $20 million for next year. So it's a bummer. It would have hurt them, obviously, if there was a game five, having to use all those guys. But in the end, like, you know, how, how important did that prove to be? I'm not sure. All right. Now, you mentioned next year. Charlie's coming back. The Dansby Swanson situation. 
which he had no interest in discussing after the game. Nothing. I'm, it's the last thing on my mind right now. But from his manager. Uh, I love that guy. Um, just what he brings, consistency. I, I've never seen a player that wants to win more than him. And, um, you know, I say hopefully I get to reconvene with him. We'll see. I mean, um, but, yeah, I, I can't say enough good things about that kid and his makeup and drive and determination and the person he is. And, and um, you know, I think, I think the world of him. Has so much respect for him, how he goes about it, and how, you know, it's kind of cool, too, because I've seen him first day he got in here until now and how he's grown and matured and the player that he's become. Justin, obviously a terrible series for, for Dansby, but, but what happens now? Yeah, they've they've got to re-sign him. I mean, one, you can't you can't let Snit, a baseball lifer, two years in a row, one losing Freddie Freeman, the other losing Dansby Swanson. Are you kidding me? But on on a serious note, I mean, they've got to re-sign him. I, I mean, I just think the price difference between Dansby Swanson and then the Trey Turners and Carlos Correa's of the world is going to be very steep. I don't see the Braves wanting to pay for a Trey Turner as good of a ball player as he is. They've got to re-sign Dansby, but now because they've let it get to this point, they're going to have competition. There will be suitors um, because for the reason I just mentioned, he's the unquestioned leader of this team, and even if you don't expect him to have anything close to the type of offensive year he did, a lot of what you're paying for is for culture and for leadership and for intangible things that you you can't quantify. Um, and Michael, you can't quantify Yeah, that. I was going to say, some, <laughs> the numbers guy hates it, but no, I just think you've got to re-sign him. Um, I don't think – I think maybe when Grissom was hot, a lot of fans thought you could plug him in and just replace him. It doesn't work that way. Chemistry matters. Leadership matters. Uh, this is Dansby's team. He's the voice of the clubhouse. He's the leader, and they've got to get it done. And to me, Grissom's not a shortstop. So, yep. I mean, um, the tricky part is Dansby had a career year production-wise, but I think I agree with Justin when you put the intangibles on top of that. Um Maybe he doesn't produce as much at the plate as he did this year going forward, but he's a good defensive shortstop, and he's good to have in the clubhouse. And do the Braves want to go two years in a row losing uh, players that you know the fans love? I don't think I don't know if he's as beloved as as maybe he is. I don't know. It's Freddie. Maybe he's eh, just people maybe love not. Freddie. People love Freddie, and Freddie was a better. I mean, let's be honest. Freddie was a yeah. better player. So a that, was a big, that was a big part of it. But you don't want to go two years in a row where you lose two big key players of the team. You know, I don't think that would go over very well with the fans. And my big question is, what's Plan B here? Yeah. They had Matt Olson, and that's that's a pretty darn good Plan B. I mean, if you're not if you're not going to spend on these top tier guys, and if you lose Dansby, are you looking at like a stopgap Jose Iglesias player here? Uh, I don't think Grissom's a shortstop either. So I think the lack of a Plan B factors greatly into this as well. Yeah, I mean, I know the Braves when they scouted and drafted him like scouts just didn't see him as a long-term shortstop they thought maybe there was a possibility that he turns into an above average defender long term but he's certainly with the range he's certainly suited better for second base third base positions that aren't shortstop I agree with Gabe I mean and you really don't have anything in the system in terms of shortstops you don't have anything in the pipeline uh that can kind of fill in in the immediate and this team's built to win now guys I mean you've got to keep this window open as much as you can. And I think what Alex Anthopoulos does about as well as anybody is identifies not only talent, but just people that fit what he wants in Atlanta and that fit the brand of baseball they want to create um, in the battery at Truist Park in Atlanta. Dansby Swanson's that guy. Um, and I just that's why I just think they, 
eventually get something done. But then again, I think you guys said this for months and maybe years about Freddie Freeman. Yeah. You make a good point about Alex. He's kind of – he's a numbers guy too. So he kind of brought me around. He, You know, he's always talking about, you know, fit and – chemistry and the clubhouse and you know and, he, and i'm like eh, I don't remember. come on but he pays a lot of attention to that and i think that it that is important even if you can't quantify it he kind of it's a qualitative thing you do right he, he's got all he knows these guys he can do all his research and go talk to the guys in the clubhouse you know who, who fits who doesn't he knows you know players from other teams or teams or guys that he's had with him before like when he brought in donaldson you know he he, he knows who's going to fit so that is an important part of it and that's where you need to bring Dansby back, even beyond what we're talking about. There's nothing in the farm to, to replace him. All right, now we'll go ahead and uh, wrap things up here with our Ask Justin segment where we answer Braves fans' questions on Twitter at Justin C. Tiscott. And Gabe and Michael, you guys can weigh in as well because we're going to start with this one from Doc. Predict Dansby's deal. Years, money, what day he signs, and with what team? Oh, my God. <laughs> what are you asking for the Yikes. whole package here? I mean, what is this, Christmas morning? I mean – um okay uh so guys i guess we'll do this is a pretty good round table one so we'll go across the line i mean i'm gonna say he signs with the braves for five years and 145 million i agree not six years five years with a little bit more money per year that range sounds pretty good i'll say that i think he look i think he comes back if he doesn't um, if the Dodgers lose Trey, he kind of makes sense a plan B there. And I know that would kill people to see Dansby and Freddie reunited there. <laughs> yeah. That would be a really interesting storyline. Wow. Uh, and I could also see a team really valuing just everything he brings to the table and maybe offering him a big contract, but I do think he'll be back here. Next up from Rusty Bragg, I think we should intentionally not win the division so we don't have any long breaks in play. Momentum killer. Boo. I mean, I'm not I'm – not I'm not – here's the thing is I – I get it. I'm not a big fan of excuses, but um, we're we're gonna hear a lot of a lot of chatter about these lower seeds, especially if the Padres finish off the Dodgers here. Um, oh my God, I know, but I, I know it stinks for Braves fans. It's a tough format. Uh, maybe they do something to decrease the layoff eventually, um, but I don't know. I don't know how you can. I mean, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, it it could affect things double headers on day one is how you can decrease the layoff there you go well the flip side is being <laughs> playoff double headers i like it <laughs> yeah Next. did they used to do that back in the day like the 27 yankees like well they, they, didn't, have play, they didn't have playoffs they just had the world series yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true that's true <laughs> next up from uh, coach king how much do the braves miss the energy of albies in this series seem like they needed a spark plug yeah, yeah, I, th- I think they miss it for sure. Um, not only the sec- type of second baseman he is and two-time Silver Slugger Award winner, but the energy that he brings. That said, I mean, you should have that energy from different sources throughout the team. I don't think they're heavily reliant on one guy, but um, yeah, I mean, they missed him all year. Brad DeBoard, he gets the last question of this for the season. Any guesses or reasons for all the day game woes? <sighs> no, I mean, we're going to go across the line here again because i want to hear what your guys' thoughts are michael you can't quantify this we've said that <laughs> billions of times sure you, sure you can 1 p.m yeah the it's truest the truest does have shadows <laughs> yes yeah that's that's the only thing i can think of if there's shadows or if things like that but for hit i mean it's it's fact the record in day games this year was not good and ironically perhaps fittingly their season ended on a day game um but i just 
I don't know, guys. I got I got nothing, and it's the type of question you guys have done this job for a while too. It's the type of question that if you ask anybody, you're gonna get that glare of like, "What are you talking about?" Because nobody yeah. can quantify it. Nobody wants to try to quantify it. Um, I'm gonna say coincidence. Yeah, and we're gonna save a lot of the off season questions uh, for another podcast because we're we're gonna have a lot of off season content coming up. But uh, we'll give this one a spicy chicken nugget. Biggest things for Alex to address in the off season. One, Dansby. Two, guys, I think they need a, another frontline starter. I mean, I think if you can pair some guy with Max, um, I think that makes them even better, especially because Wright had a breakout season and you've got Spencer Strider. DeGrom would be great. <laughs> uh, they need a left fielder. I agree. I think I think they should add another outfielder. Obviously, Dansby's your priority, and certainly a, another frontline starter would be huge, and I, I agree they need another outfielder. Saw that guy. It doesn't have to be a star. All right, so we will uh, we will dig in much more to uh, the hot stove um, coverage because guess what? Um, unfortunately for Braves fans, it's here. Um, so we we will, but we will still continue to provide you a podcast uh, during the off season, and uh, we'll get some reaction from Alex Anthopoulos coming up on uh, Monday and bring that to you uh, later on in October. But uh, Justin, our first season is done. Congratulations! Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, we didn't think it would end this soon, um, but yeah, thanks. For- for everybody for following us along with us uh jay who does an outstanding job here who never gets the credit so i just want to take a minute to thank jay who cuts all the audio does this on you know his own time amid all the other podcasts he's doing at the ajc uh you've done a great job he's really built this thing from the ground up and um he corrals us for the podcast yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sets everything up just to get where we cat over here cat over here sets the show sheet up uh cuts the audio puts that in does everything with the board uh, on podcast day edits them um so if there's somebody to thank here it's it's him and then of course you guys for following along with us and supporting us and thanks yeah. brace fans yeah thank you braves fans for for reading us i mean you guys are all awesome Jay, of course, Justin just did a beautiful job laying out Jay's role and his importance here. The, uh, the rook's sucking up, but that's all right. <laughs> well, we, we got this thing off the ground yeah. during the postseason last year, and it was definitely patchwork, and Jay did a great job. Let me also just say, I knew for a while, I was, I was moving off the Braves beat. I did not know who my replacement would be. I was not sure how that would work. And, and I just want to say, Justin has done such a great job He's been tremendous. He's been awesome. He's been great with fans. He's been a great reporter. He's been a great writer. He's done such a good job. It's been awesome. It's been awesome to watch. I'm honored and I'm thankful to be his teammate. And eventually, he'll be cool enough like me to cover a World Series championship. <laughs> <laughs> I knew. Oh, damn. Braves fans, is it Justin? Justin is the X Factor, right? <laughs> I, that's, that's what they're saying. But – Gabe Gabe walked so I could run in a way because Gabe covered the entire World Series run, which for those of you who have never done this, which is most of you, it's it's a lot of work during the postseason, guys. Really fun, but it's a sprint. Gabe covered it all, and I got to go to the White House for him. <laughs> that, that's true. That's true. And so on that note, that's where we will leave it. Uh, we hope uh, we really do appreciate you guys uh, sampling our podcast this year. There's a lot of brace things to listen to, but we hope uh, we've been able to expose you to all the knowledge, all the experience, and all the access that uh, that our team has to bring you stories that you that you can't get anywhere else. So please uh, rate, review, follow, share, and subscribe. And uh, we, we will have plenty of coverage coming up for you during the off season, right here on the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal Constitution. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, 
Look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.